the core of every good strategic communications program is a clear objective. You know, what do you really want to achieve? Just having good PR is not an objective. I want the public to understand this narrative because we want to do X, Y, and Z for our business. That objective helps to define who is your target audience as specific as possible. You want to inhabit the mind of that target audience and understand what do they believe? What are their perceptions? What are their misperceptions? What, what do we want them to understand? And then the third piece is the message. What's the clear message? So a good PR campaign aligns your audience with your objective through your message. Um, a message to align your audience with your objective. Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Law Podcast. Jason Muth here with Straightforward Short-Term Rentals and Pride Away Stays. Our resident real estate attorney expert, Rory Gill, is here as well. What's going on, Rory? Not much. I'm excited about this conversation because we speak with a lot of real estate agents and real estate attorneys who know how to market properties and to maintain the situation. Um, but we are going to expand that one step farther and bring in public relations. Um, I know you can use PR positively and negatively to help amplify your development and the projects that you're working on, but also to deal with crises um, in the worst case scenario. So I'm excited to bring in another perspective. Um, this should be informative for everybody who works in the real estate space and should expand the way that you think about what you're working on. Yes, we would like to welcome Nathan Miller with Miller Inc. Nathan is the CEO of uh, Miller Inc. And you're coming to us from sunny Southern California. Welcome, Nathan. Thanks for having me, guys. Really great to be here. Yeah, man, we're going through like some nor'easter or hurricane here in the Northeast today. So, you know, I I think that uh, you you definitely win the weather game today. <laughs> I lived in New York for a few years. I know I know what that I was there through Hurricane Irene, I remember. So I oh, can, that was a toughie. Yeah. 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 We, we love the Northeast. I mean, like, you know, every so often we'll get these just massive storms that come through, but you know, we don't have to worry too much about what people out West have to worry about with fires and earthquakes and that kind of thing. So totally. yeah, well, talk, yeah, exactly. Pick your poison. And you know, that's a nice segue into the world of public relations, which, you know, we've done a lot of episodes of this podcast. I mean, this is probably episode 130, 40, something. I have no idea what number it is at this point, but we've never talked PR and never talked about crisis management. So, you know, we're really looking forward to having uh, you on the podcast today and talk a little bit about the work that you do with a lot of your clients and why PR is even necessary in, in the real estate space. So um, Nathan, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started Miller Inc. Sure. And that's a good starting point. So I've, I've been in this business about 20 years. Uh, I've worked, you know, um, on, you know, on the government side, um, in politics. <clears throat> I spent three years in New York at the actually Israeli mission to the United Nations as the communications director and chief speechwriter there. I've, I've worked um, in Washington, D.C., in Brussels. And uh, 11 years ago, I started Miller Inc. Right. At, you know, and I started the firm with the basically a belief that the communications environment, understanding that the communications environment was changing rapidly around me and that we could create a different kind of firm that would be fully integrated between earned, owned and paid media and understanding how to navigate, you know, that would be nimble and able to capture the opportunities that have emerged as a result of changes in how we all communicate, receive information, shape, you know, how our opinions are shaped. Um, so we're, we're, we have about 20 folks in the firm we're headquartered in LA. We have team in New York and San Francisco, and we do quite a bit of real estate. So excited to chat with you all about that work that we do. 
a unique angle on this podcast that we ha- haven't had before. And that's somebody who's really, you sounds like you've worked diplomatic and international incidents before. Can you talk a little bit about those? And you don't necessarily need to get into specifics, but how, you know, when you have a problem of that scale where every word matters, how do you pick and choose the words and the communication to resolve the issue? Yeah, it was, listen, that was was a very formative experience. I worked uh, with the EU institutions in Brussels, and then I spent three years at the UN working for the Israeli government. And it was great training. I was there through a war and outbreak of the Arab Spring and the big debate around Iran sanctions and a whole host of other issues. Uh, You get, you have, you know, I describe our work often as very athletic, meaning, you know, you have a very narrow period of time, you perform or you don't perform, and you have to have really good judgment. You have to have good instincts on the fly. You have to be able to bring people together around consensus. Like what you said about diplomatic language is really is really true. When I was the chief speechwriter, I'd have six different diplomats that would be weighing in on a speech, and then we'd have the folks at headquarters and all sorts of other stakeholders that wanted to get there, put their thumbprint on a speech. And it was my job to sort of orchestrate all that into something that sounded coherent and, you know, be, you know, engaged in that process. You know, there was a lot of jokes about my relationship with the legal department. I'm married to an attorney. So, you know, that we the, the, the lawyers always wanted to say one thing and we would always, we would have maybe a different idea about what we wanted to put into a speech. But that work was really formative for me, um, both in terms of just really sharpening my skill set and my ability to move quickly, act decisively, understand, you know, quickly in my mind, run through all the different pros and cons and, and help provide a judgment uh, for whoever I was working for at the mission, but also on that diplomatic language piece, you know, when so much of our work now working with different corporate stakeholders is creating consensus internally between different folks around what the message has to be and help and helping to facilitate that is a really important skill set in my business. So it was absolutely formative. Now, you know, when we're working these small real estate transactions, um, you know, every word matters between the parties, but when you're working either on diplomatic missions or I'd imagine with a large scale real estate project, there are some really uncontrollable social media and third party voices out there that can really throw monkey wrenches into whatever plans that you you have. Um, how does that ecosystem fit in with public relations and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the thing that's changed dramatically is, is that you have this whole new arena um, the digital space and you know we, we say at our firm everybody is a publisher you know any single person can have a microphone and reach directly to a target audience in a way that you know when i first started working in this business you, you know you had to go through a mediator basically like someone who would who like a, a journalist or a publication or an advertiser to be able to reach your audience today you can reach that audience directly which is great on the one hand for uh if you're a, if you're a brand that you know that has the ability to tell your story, but it's also challenging because every, everybody can weigh in and everybody can sort of provide comment on whatever you're doing, and and it'll reach other people. So you have to be nimble. You have to understand a what people are saying and have good digital listening capabilities. And within those capabilities, you have to be able to sort of disaggregate what matters and what doesn't. I often have to tell clients Twitter isn't real life, and that in, you can be sort of in a moment where everything feels like it's really, 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 you know, important and and lots of people are weighing in, but in fact, it's just a few folks who are making a lot of noise. So one of our key, key strategic value that we can provide is helping them to separate, does this really impact your business? Does this really impact what we're trying to do? 
or is it just noise? Um, and you have to filter out that noise and you have to be able to respond nimbly then to sort of frame your narrative in whatever space it is, whether it's in traditional media, social media, directly to your constituents on the physical locations of your real estate sites with your team and have a 360 degree strategy. It doesn't matter if you're a small operator or international REIT, you have to be able to understand what's going on in each of those arenas and, and effectively communicate there. Mm -hmm. Can you share some examples of how local real estate investors might need services of a PR agency? Sure. I can, I can share just from our own. We represent some folks who are operators who have properties that, you know, um, things go wrong, right? <laughs> we represent a lot of affordable housing operators uh, or just people who own multifamily properties where, you know, the news crews show up at their building and, you know, they don't know what to do. So we we do a lot of crisis planning. Even if you don't have a full-time person on retainer as a crisis manager, you should, you should definitely have a crisis plan in place so you know what happens if, if the news crews show up or if there's some issue. On the one hand, it's just sort of crisis when things go wrong. We have uh, some really good content on our site around creating a crisis management plan. So if you don't want to hire someone, you can try to do it yourself. But I always would recommend getting a professional to come in and help you develop a crisis plan around this. So that's one thing. You know, when people are going to, when there's transactions, when you're going to buy or sell a property or you're building a portfolio, um, there's, you, you sometimes have, there's, and there's people who are scrutinizing that and you want, you want to be able to present the right framing. Sometimes people have land use considerations where they have to communicate with the community or with key stakeholders who are going to make decisions around the use of a property. So that's another area where we, we get engaged quite a bit. And then the last piece is, and we're doing this increasingly, is just positioning and brand building for, for operators and their executives. It doesn't, you know, we've done huge, Westfield was a client for many years. We've done big national and international players. We've also worked with, you know, regional operators who are trying to tell their story. And there's huge business value to having the right positioning around your CEO or your company. So that's another area where we're very focused, you know, getting helping folks tell the story of their executive, what their vision is. Um, and, you know, and that, that matters with your government stakeholders that you're engaging with. That matters with communities that matters with potential partners that matters with people who are going to be buying your properties that matters with tenants that matters with employees and down the line. So it's, it's really thinking about all those different contexts in which you might want to hire a PR professional. Let's walk through a little bit um, and bring this to life a little bit on the crisis management side. So if you're, yep. you know, if you're a property owner and something happens and we are at that day where the news crews are standing in front of your building, what yep. are some good first steps for people to take immediately and then to deal with the fallout? So the first thing is you want to make sure that you have, we, we talked about a few key principles of, you know, of crisis management in this particular situation. The first is incoming information, meaning you want to be able to get timely access to whatever's going on on the property, whether that's, you need to know in real time, the news crew is there. You need to know why, you know, and also getting timely information as to what's going on the property. Is it that the, the pipes blew up? Is it that the, this tenant is upset or whatever it is? So as the decision maker, you need to have a quick and efficient flow of information from the property to, to you. Um, that requires training your staff, being really emphatically clear about what's going on. First step is just knowing what's going on. And, and that's, I would say, 
80 to 90% of the time, that's the problem is that people haven't told their property manager or, or don't have an ability to get real-time insight. So they can't make good decisions or the, the new story runs before they've even had time to engage and try to shape it. So that's step one. The second is outgoing information. You want to have one spokesperson, one source of information that's communicating to the public, to the media, to your partners, to everyone else. Another key breakdown that we see quite often, you know, the news crew shows up, the maintenance manager's there. It's happened to me so many times with endless frustration for my clients and for us, you know, he goes and the, the news crew is there and he says, yeah, you know, and he just sort of talks because why not? No one told him not to. And uh, that's really, you know, can be very problematic. So you want to control the outflow of information. You want to designate a spokesperson. You want to work with a professional to develop the right message for, you know, that you, that you share. And then you want to think about other key audiences that you need to communicate with. Is it your investors? Is it other folks in the community? Is it local uh, elected leaders who who are going to be concerned? Depending on the situation, you're going to have a different basket of audiences, but you want to think about that. And then the third piece is you want to have a game plan. Everyone has to know what their role is. It has to be very clear across your team and everyone operates according to the same playbook. You want to know what the decision-making process is for, you know, for making those, those critical decisions. Who decides? How do they decide? How does that get communicated down to everybody else who it needs to be communicated to? And how do we make sure that everybody's operating according to the same playbook? You know, we just made a video, an animated video that is on our site where, you know, we, we describe making a decision during a crisis is kind of like driving 100 miles on, a, on the freeway, weaving in and out of traffic and smoking a cigar. That's the frame of mind that you're in when you're when you're making a decision during a crisis. So you want to be you want to as much as possible plan ahead of time so you know kind of what you need to do and you're not getting organized in that moment because it's really challenging for folks to make the best decisions in, in moments when they're feeling under the gun and stressed. I presume that you would recommend that people contact a PR company early in the relationship of their business or in your relationship with the client uh, instead of during a moment of crisis. But does that always happen? I'm guessing no. Mostly no. Yeah. Usually there's a, to go back to my diplomatic, you know, there's a line from a famous State Department uh, spokesperson who said, they usually only bring in the communications people for the crash landings and not for the takeoffs. And that's a problem. So it's good to have an existing relationship with someone in the event that this happens so that you're not doing all of that. But very often I get panic calls every single day where people are kind of dealing with it in the moment and you do the best you can in that in that situation. If you have a professional to work with, you're going to be much better off than if you're trying to do it yourself and freelance and figure it out. Um, it's not the time to save money. When you have a crisis, you want to be able to bring professionals in who can help you manage it. The, the challenge always is not necessarily what the situation is in front of you. It's the response to it that can make things often so much worse. Um, mm -hmm. And if you don't have someone who can think about the second, third, fourth order consequences, look down that path, understand where you might go if you make this decision just like we'd, you'd want a good attorney. Um, it's the same idea. Yeah. Let me ask a little bit about some proactive uses of PR. So I know it's great to have a crisis plan in place in advance, to have a, a team laid out um, in advance, kind of like a, having a great insurance policy for when that the, the bad news happens. But what are some proactive things that some people can do to develop some good public relations um, and relations with the community, um, either for their business or for their project? So... A few things. You want to think about the core The core of every good strategic communications program is a clear objective, 
you know, what do you really want to achieve? Just having good PR is not an objective. I want the public to understand this narrative because we want to do X, Y, and Z for our business. That objective helps to define who is your target audience as specific as possible. You want to inhabit the mind of that target audience and understand what do they believe? What are their perceptions? What are their misperceptions? What, what do we want them to understand? And then the third piece is the message. What's the clear message? So a good PR campaign aligns your audience with your objective through your message. Um, a message to align your audience with your objective. That's always what we're thinking about. Proactive PR, we're, we look at all the different tools in the toolbox to communicate with that target audience. Sometimes it's with local media, sometimes it's with national media. Sometimes we're developing um, an owned media platform, meaning your own website, your email newsletter, your podcast, whatever channels that you have to communicate to the public. I, that, that sometimes is the most important thing. And then you think how you build around that to bolster it um, with, uh, you know, a couple great press pieces or, you know, an op-ed in the community or, you know, a, reg a positioning program for the executive. So your face or your brand is being quoted often as a community leader or an expert in real estate or whatever message it is that we want to deliver. You know, PR is not a shot in a pan kind of thing. It's not the kind of thing you can do one or two and then you're done. The best strategic communications program, the best public relations programs uh, are cumulative built over time and you, and you, and you, and that's the, that's really the key. So you want to, you want to build up um, and, and, and sustain them over a period of time. As we move toward our final questions, I do want to ask one that you probably get asked a lot, which is how do you quantify a good PR campaign from the client side? You know, I used to work in uh, the media for a long time, first on the programming side where you quantify based on ratings and yep. then on the sales side where you quantify based on, you know, either if you're the seller, you're quantifying as to how much you're selling and growing your campaigns or your accounts. If you are the person buying the media, you are quantifying it based on your return on ad spend. So how do you do that? It's a really, really, really important question. I was just on a panel for PR week, you know, the national paper for our business and, we were talking about metrics and, you know, there's all these fancy softwares now that exist that's, you know, that claim to be able to quantify what the audience sees. And I don't really believe any of them, to be honest with you. And I think that they're just fancy ways for PR people to sell their services and make the audience feel really good about it. I think it goes back to that objective audience message framework that I just shared. It could be that you have an audience of one. And I've run many campaigns where there's an audience of one you know, one person that really matters, or it may be that, you know, a million people matter, but you have to think about who are you trying to reach? And then you have to be really thoughtful about does this, does this media uh, reach them? A lot of PR campaigns today, too many PR firms, I will say, and this is something that I would really urge your listeners to think about, um, are running legacy campaigns that don't reach any audience that matters. And then they're presenting a big clipbook of a bunch of articles that they got. If you're not inside the ecosystem of the people that that you need to be to reach, then it's irrelevant. Getting a Forbes piece for a local project in Boise, Idaho may not matter, right? Maybe that Boise paper is what's more relevant or that local blog. So you want to look at, you, you want to really be thoughtful about it. Um, and in many cases, hyper-local or very, very specific uh, publications are the relevant way for us to reach that target audience or to reach them directly through that, you know, own media channel that I mentioned. 
Let's ask our final few questions. We ask them all of our guests uh, just to wrap up the conversation, get to know you a little bit better. And we will put all of the links to your website and social media, Nathan, in our show notes. First question, if you can get on stage for half an hour and talk about any subject in the world, it could be something you've talked about today or not, what would it be? Our tongue-in-cheek motto as a company is PR is dead. We have that uh, all over our site. And it's sort of like I, I, I'm beating the drum on how people need to think differently about this business. Um, I'm very passionate about that because I, I I see the results that clients can get. So that would probably be what I would, would talk about for a half hour. Nathan, tell us something that happened early in your life or career that impacts the way that you're working today. Well, I mentioned our my the work that I did at the UN. That was certainly a pivotal moment for me. The other thing I'll just say is I, I grew up playing the upright bass, playing music. And I think that there's something about uh, that aspect of performance that I really and 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 musicality in terms of comms that I think it, it's been a really nice skill set and having to be up in front of an audience. I have three little kids now and I'm making them all play music because I think that it's really good to sports has the same effect, I think, of putting people in moments of high stakes, high pressure, at least for that context and forcing them to deliver. I think it gives you a great confidence and it's really helpful in business. Were you a fan of the uh, swing revival of 20 years ago that was all over the radio? Brian ah, Orchestra. I was, yeah, I was in a, I was in yes. a rockabilly uh, band for many years when I was in like high school and college. So uh-huh. yeah, I love the Stray Cats. Yeah, I was going to say, you must be a Brian Setzer fan. Yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. New, York, New York original, right? He was great. From the island. Final question we have for you. Tell us something you're listening to or watching or reading these days. Um, that's a good question. I'm a big fan of Peter Atia. I don't know if you've all gotten into him. Totally changed my health uh, lifestyle. He has a new book out called. He has a great new book out. He has a podcast. I've 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 I picked up a lot of his great. It's pretty wonky, but I really really like his whole. He, he's a like kind of a health span lifespan guru uh, doctor. Mm-hmm. So that's my that's that he's I've, I've been on a Peter Atia kick for the last year so that's something run down that rabbit hole well we'll yeah. we, we will go on that kick as well and this episode's coming out in the new year so people are probably listening uh and looking for new ways to improve their lives and that could be yeah. another one we're going to link up your website in the show notes it is miller-inc.com correct that's right and on there are easy ways to get a hold of you learn more about your business and see if uh, you work across the country I'm guessing right we do we have uh, we have office in New York San Francisco, LA, and we have clients everywhere in between. Sweet. Nathan, thank you for being our resident PR expert uh, in this world. And, you know, I do want to emphasize for real estate investors who are listening and attorneys who are listening in all our different corners of the world, uh, you know, this is something that you're probably not thinking about. You probably don't think you need PR until you are in a crisis. Um, So give some thought to it, you know, because there's a lot of ways that you might be able to improve your development, your investing, if you're a lender, you know, whatever situation you're in, PR could be a really great way to work in your uh, launch and ongoing program with all your projects. Rory, people can get a hold of you on rorygill.com. Is that right? That's right. You can see all the different ways you can get in touch with me and work with me. Yeah. And if you want to be a guest on this podcast or want to learn more about myself, jasonmuth.com is where you'll find me. Uh, If you've enjoyed the episode, we love five-star reviews and we read all your comments. So uh, thank you so much for that. And Nathan, thank you. We really appreciate your being here for this episode of the podcast. And we look forward to learning more about PR in the future when we'll have you back. So great to be here. Thanks so much. Thank you.